for Lacrosse Talk PM. Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Sola. Mid studio with me, as he is every Friday, is UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Happy Friday, Rick. All right, we have. We don't have like like a lot of like Wisconsin-y politics, like state politics. We're going to gripe about, the, or I'm going to gripe about this or that. But we have, this is going to be a pretty interesting show, I think. I think so. And I'm just going to just gonna give you the quick rundown. Not all the time. Sometimes we deep dive and then I get done with the show and I go, we deep dove too early. We need to reel the people in. What are we going to talk about? How are we going to have fun this hour? We can talk about Wendy's. Sure. Surge pricing, otherwise known as price gouging. We could talk about that and 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 then them them backpedaling on that. We could talk about the Kellogg's CEO saying, Hey, you guys are struggling. You know what you should do? Buy my cereal and eat it for supper. <laughs> Thanks, guy. We could talk about naked Eric Hovde. Oh boy. Semi naked, I should say. Uh, shirtless Eric Hovde, yeah. Yeah, shirtless Eric Hovde. He's running for US Senate against Tammy Baldwin. Are we going to see? Uh, well, he was he he jumped in a frozen lake. So we get to talk about that, and then and then he issued a challenge to Tammy Baldwin. Did he, is he saying that Tammy Baldwin needs to go shirtless into the lake into Lake Mendota? Yeah. So I don't. I feel like I, she's probably not going to do that. She's not going to take her shirt off. I don't think uh, Mitch McConnell's um, stepping down as Senate leader. Or he's yeah. But he's going to serve out as this is the guy that's brain freezed. Multiple times, at least twice, right? During the middle of a press conference, Mitch McConnell, 82 years old. Yeah, he's had two of those freezing episodes where he's frozen up and seemed unable to really move or really speak. He announced that he's going to step down as the Republican leader in the Senate in November of this year. He does say that he will serve out his term, which expires in January of 2027. So, okay, I kind yeah. of have a problem with that. So he's got like three years to go right. on his term. The guy who freezes in the middle of, uh, you know, what was the, the California senator that, that well, she passed away. Oh, Diane Feinstein. Did she pass away? Or she I, did. She did, right? But she was having similar situations. She right? was in horrible health at the end of her life there and was, and was in office when she died. She was out of the Senate for quite a while yeah. while she was going through some various health things and then comes back to Washington and just looks in terrible shape. Um, we have another kicking the can. Yes. And the government, we've avoided a government shutdown, but only as long as, only as far as what Bear Van Orden would call kicking the can down the road. There were going to be staggered government shutdowns. Part of the government was set to shut down on March 1st. The rest of the government was set to shut down on March 8th. Now, March 1st has become March 8th, and March 8th has become March 22nd. So for one set of government shutdowns, we kick the can down the road for another week. For the other set of shutdowns, we kick the can down the road for two weeks. If that sounds confusing, it's confusing to me, too. Well, that's only because one of the cans is empty. It's hollow, and it's easier <laughs> to kick further. So we kick that one a little further, and the other one's full of applesauce, and it's one of those bigger cans, so it's heavier, and we could kick that See, one See, Rick, well. now this just makes complete sense in how we can explain this. We kicked one can down the road a week, and the other can, we kicked that down the road two weeks. Yes, we're Kicking things into time. Yes, we're just kicking different lengths of time. Yes, it's a. <laughs> is it a Back to the Future? Are we? I, uh, what movie would we be doing? Uh, here? Something like that. Yeah, that in time movie with yeah, uh, where you you lived based on how much time was left on your hand. Oh, um, I don't think it's that at all. I don't know why I brought that up. It's called In Time. That's why. 
Um, doorbell cams. You have a thing on doorbell cams, as I have talked, and you will hear on Monday as well with another candidate. The best way to candidate is to knock on doors, and I kind of think that's BS a little bit. That sounds if I'm if I want to be the most politician, sound the best. I am out there knocking on doors, and that's the best way to get a hold of everybody. Seems very inefficient and ineffective. I'm not answering my door if somebody knocks on it. I'm hiding and cowering. And you said now with doorbell cams. Doorbell cam. I was thinking about this when I heard you talking with state representative Steve Doyle and discussing how he might be able to connect with the new people in his newly redrawn district. He mentioned how he really relies on door knocking. He thinks that's a very effective way to get his message out. They all think that. Not they just all Steve. Think that. I mean, nobody has ever, no politician has ever said, door knocking on doors just doesn't work <laughs> for me. I don't know why I made him Southern. It's something that you have to do if you're running for local office. At least that's the conventional wisdom. But what I was wondering about is those doorbell cams. Do people look at their camera, see who's at the door, and then just decide, hey, I'm not going to answer that door because it's a politician or I don't know who they are. And when New district, right? This yeah. is a guy I've never seen before. I've, 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 I don't know who that is. I'm not answering to this. That stood out to me because when you asked him what kind of reaction he gets at the doors, he said, well, some people just say, hey, Steve, right. they are accustomed to seeing him at their door because he's represented their district perhaps for a long time. Yeah. They're used to him showing up at their door, so they're not surprised when they see Steve Doyle at their door. But what if you're newly in his district, you know, like his district has changed? What if you don't know who this guy is? What if it's a challenger to an incumbent who has never knocked on doors before? And, well, they might be a new face at your door and would you open the door for them if you saw them on your ring camera i don't know everybody check the ballot ballotpedia page to see who's running in their district (laughs) to check and then they'll know who's at their doorbell cam also have the whole conversation at your doorbell cam so you can record it there you go and then can we get proof of everybody doing all these door knocking (laughs) campaigns let's uh, like flood twitter if we just put hashtag doorbell campaign uh assembly 95 or whatever 94 we we could see how many people are actually seeing. You know, wouldn't uh, that be rep- interesting? Wouldn't that be interesting? I've heard more than a few candidates brag about how many pairs of shoes they've worn out doing door knocking. They're like, I went through 20 different pairs of shoes during right. that campaign. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back to uh, try to dive into all this stuff before the end of the hour. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom in the studio with me, as he is most Fridays, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski. We got to start. We kind of did the rundown of what all the things we're going to try to talk about. Seems like uh, just a lot of kind of fun things, but fun, weird, weird. dystopian. Uh, some yeah. of this stuff is dystopian. But uh, Eric Hovde is running for U.S. Senate against Tammy Baldwin, the incumbent, and. He's put out now apparently three videos where he doesn't have a shirt on. And I haven't seen he's one he's sitting the latest one he's sitting in a frozen lake. Um, I don't know what the other two are. I don't know how shirtless he is in the videos. I do know this. The guy's got a hell of a mustache. As somebody who's like yes. hasn't shaved his beard and the, my mustache, at this point, I'm getting to the point where I need to shave. Like it's just the the mustache is in the way. But I'm like, I could I couldn't pull off the Hovdy mustache. He looks great. And then I'm like, is he pushing that to the limit where he's in three videos now campaigning without a shirt on? It seems kind of weird. And then 
to issue the, the the biggest. This is a joke a little bit, but the he's in a what Lake Mendota, Madison. Uh-huh. He's saying he's from Wisconsin because he can sit in a frozen lake. And then he issues a challenge to Tammy Baldwin to come sit in a lake with him. Are they going to debate in the frozen lake? Also, is Tammy Baldwin going to be shirtless? So here's the story from Scott Bauer of the Associated Press. By the way, Rick, you know that we're already getting weird in this campaign when this is a news headline. It's only February. No, it's March now. It's It's March. It's March. Shirtless U.S. Senate candidate submerges himself in Wisconsin Lake issues challenge to opponent. It's officially weird now in the campaign season when we're seeing headlines like that. So Scott Bauer of the Associated Press, a shirtless candidate for U.S. Senate broke through the ice of a Madison Lake Thursday, hoping to pour cold water on any notion that he's a soft Californian and not a hearty Wisconsin night. Eric Hovde challenged his Democratic opponent, U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, to take the plunge as well. Now, What are we going to do? Like, Tammy just needs to jump in a lake? Are we going to debate in the lake? Like, what is the point? And uh, first of all, I'm 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 a little I'm a little sick of Democrats. Only thing on Eric Hovde is he's from California. The irony there is like Republicans really hate California and therefore their candidate for U.S. Senate in Wisconsin is a guy who probably lived most of the last couple of years of his life in California. But if he wants to move here and he's from here and he wants to run for Senate, I don't have a problem with that. Let's move on. Let's get him on. Let's, let's get him on some of the issues. This isn't one of them either, but it is kind of like, okay, that's weird, dude. Like you're being very weird. You're sitting in a lake to prove that you're from Wisconsin. Okay. You know, you wonder if this video just, elevates the issue of where exactly Eric Hovde lives and where exactly he spends most of his time, because that's clearly the debate that Democrats want to have. As you note, though, does Hovde want to have that debate? That's what I'm wondering about. Like, does he want to engage Democrats on this issue? Did he grow a mustache to be more (laughs) Wisconsin? (laughs) Because there are pictures of him, a lot of pictures of him without a mustache. So, I don't know where the mustache came from. Is now, Wisconsin, the, the, the question is, and this, we should put this out on a poll, is a mustache more Wisconsin or more California? I would have said in the 80s, Wisconsin. Now, I feel like tre- mustaches are kind of trendy. I see the kids wearing mustaches. I wouldn't associate the state of Wisconsin with a mustache necessarily. Like a beard, though. A beard, for sure. A beard, for sure. But a mustache, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I could I could make a joke about a certain industry and mustaches and uh, UWL former Chancellor Joe Gao and anything like that. Tregoski's cowering away. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the dude is in three shirtless videos trying to campaign. According to Dan Bice from the Milwaukee Journal okay. Sentinel, so Bice— we don't, we, don't have, we don't have the videos, but, I mean— I don't have A credible journalist has said that he's in three You've got videos. a credible journalist, Dan Bice, say that this is the third video that Eric Hovde has posted where he is not wearing a shirt in the last year. So get your doorbell cams out. <laughs> so when Eric Hovde goes door to door to Senate campaign, right? U.S. Senators are not going door to door, are they? they? There's so many doors. No, Steve Doyle made that point that as you get a larger geographic area and as you get more voters, it's hard to do door to door campaigning. So when you're in a congressional campaign, even a U.S. House of Representatives campaign, it's tough to go yeah, door to door. I would say the state Senate is too big of a state Senate is probably but, too big. But if you want to make headlines as Eric Hovde, 
just go door to door shirtless and campaign that way. People will remember you. People won't answer the door if they have a doorbell cam, though. You do feel like Democrats are trying to associate Eric Hovde with California in the same way that Democrats in Pennsylvania sought to associate Dr. Oz with New Jersey. So Dr. Oz ran for a Senate in Pennsylvania. Wait in a minute. The, didn't we just do this with the governor campaign in Wisconsin? And we, Tim Michaels. Tim Michaels Tim is Michael, from Connecticut. Connecticut, right? Well, he, I mean, but there was questions about his properties in the Northeast and how much time he spends in the East Coast versus how much time he spends in Wisconsin. I feel like we didn't care about that as much as we do Eric Hovde. Is no, that because California, I this think, whole thing? I think it is because California and because Democrats feel like they can craft a broader narrative of Eric Hovde as being out of touch elite because California might have those connotations. Republicans don't like California. Yeah, I think that's an interesting and he part is, of this. He's multi-million if not billionaire, isn't he? Not, he's is he he's not? very, very wealthy. He has a $7 million estate in Laguna Beach. He's the CEO of California-based H Bank Corp and his primary subsidiary SunWest Bank, according to that AP article. The, the so other... the guy's got serious cash and he's put a lot of that cash into his Senate campaign already. It's one reason that Republicans were pretty excited about him running because he doesn't have to mess around with raising money. It's tough to raise money for a campaign, especially an expensive campaign like a U.S. Senate campaign. Do, do Republicans not have money right now either? Is it is that a thing? So there have been some stories lately about potential concerns on the Republican side regarding their small dollar fundraising operations. Donald Trump apparently is not bringing in the small dollar donations that he used to. Small dollar donations can be a huge benefit to a campaign because if people give $20, $30, $40 at a time, you can keep hitting them up throughout the campaign. The maximum amount that someone can donate during the campaign is $3,300. But if people give less than that, then you can get them to donate multiple times. They never max out, so to speak. So small dollar donations are a crucial element of well, a political campaign. Well, candidates love that too, right? Look at how many people gave yep. me $2. Like it's a billion people gave me $2. I'm so popular. Because it creates the perception of grassroots enthusiasm, right? Like if I get a couple seven-figure donations versus if I get a bunch of $20 donations, then if I get a bunch of $20 donations, you get the sense that I've got all this grassroots enthusiasm behind me, that I've got the regular people, so to speak, backing my campaign. So there are some concerns, I, I think, on the Republican side about their small-dollar fundraising but with Eric Hovde, you don't have to worry right. about any of that. He's it's, got the cash to bankroll this campaign. Yeah, same with Tim Michaels, right? We're Absolutely. Doing a, are we doing the exact same thing as Republicans with Tim Michaels as we are in, in Eric Hovde? So with Tim Michaels, there was some mixed messaging. There was some confusion because Tim Michaels, I recall, basically funded his own campaign through the primary election oh, when right. he defeated Rebecca Clayfish for the Republican nomination. But then, if memory serves correctly, yeah. he started asking people, for money, started doing fundraisers after he got the nomination and went into his campaign against Tony Evers. And I remember that confusing people. People were like, hey, I thought you were going to just put your own money into this campaign. So I think clarity is important There's for nothing... candidates to be clear. Hey, I'm going to spend this amount of money and I'm going to need to raise this amount of money or yeah. I'm going to spend 
enough money to fund the entire campaign. I think candidates need to be clear about that to avoid the type of confusion that Tim Michaels they, encountered. They just need to say, we're going halvesies. Citizens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, candidate, uh, I'm the candidate. Hey, we're going to go halvesies. If you guys donate this much, I will put in this much of my own money. It's probably a good strategy because that could motivate people to give money. Hovdy halvesies. Hovdy halvesies. There's the campaign, <laughs> Hovdy. Instead of taking your shirt off and being in the in the lake and ch- challenging Tammy Baldwin to, to debate in a, in a frozen lake without her shirt on, maybe just... Just go have the havesies. Also, we're over the fact because I don't feel like I don't want a multimillionaire running for the seat that I want to vote. I don't want to vote for somebody that's a multimillionaire. So Donald Trump's changed all this because clearly Republicans don't care about the pinkies up kind of person running for your your seat. And this is why I say that I think the California piece with Hubdi is part of the broader narrative. The broader narrative is that he's out of touch and his wealth could potentially play into that from the Democratic Party's point of view, but also the amount of time he may spend in California. So California, wealthy dude, out of touch. I think that's where Democrats are going with this, but they may need to consider bringing in issue critiques. They've started to talk about Eric Covdy's position on abortion. That could play a big role in the campaign. So to what extent will Democrats focus on out of touch California rich dude versus those more policy-based issues? Right. And, and sometimes we say that Democrats lose because they want to go policy-based. Right now, they're, they've dumbed down the anti-Hovdy campaign to Dude's from California. Dude's rich. He's not one of us. And he's gone all in on that. To some extent, a successful campaign can fit on a bumper sticker, right? I mean, like those bumper sticker memorable messages, Hovdi equals California. That could be a bumper sticker. That might work. It might not. But it's very much in keeping with the idea that a successful campaign message fits on a bumper sticker. Havesies for Hovdi. Havesies. That fits on a bumper sticker. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> um, okay, speaking of like dystopian rich things that are happening, do you want to do – we got a couple of minutes here before we got to go to break. Oh, we got like a minute. Wendy's and Kellogg's. We got to talk about this when we come back, right? Wendy's, sure. first of all, they went – we're going to do surge pricing. So during lunch, the burgers will cost more. I wasn't clear that if I get a Wendy's burger at what's the worst time to get a Wendy's burger? Like 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. 10 a.m. 2.30 oh, like, p.m. Like the like the transition from breakfast to lunch, I would say. Yeah. So nobody's buying a Wendy's burger at 10 a.m. Are they then cheaper they or should. are they only just going to get more expensive? And then after t- that, that lasted 24 hours, right? Or was it about 24 hours? And then the, the, the Wendy's CEO was like, whoa, 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 that's not what I said, even though it's clearly what he said on like some, some conference call. That was a PR disaster for Wendy's to have all these headlines about how they are engaging in surge pricing. That was horrible for their brand. So we have that one. We want to come back. I want to talk about that. And also the Kellogg CEO. Let them eat cereal. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Right? <laughs> Let them eat cereal because, hey, y'all are so poor and, and food is so expensive. And the only thing you should, should be able to eat, you know, hey, it's OK if you only got to eat cereal, eat my cereal. It's just just ridiculous. We should uh, boycott all of that stuff. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me is UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. Just got done talking about the Eric Hovde campaign, that Eric Hovde shirtless campaign for U.S. Senate. He was uh, he just posted a video yesterday. Shirt was it yesterday? Shirtless yeah. in Lake Men. Mike Mendota, Mendota telling everyone how Wisconsin he is because the (laughs) only place that people do polar plunges are in Wisconsin. Apparently, yeah. Um, 
and then challenge Senator Tammy Baldwin to uh, do the plunge. Do the plunge. Yeah. And I like to make the, you you keep ignoring my joke that she's got to do it shirtless. I I love how you just not saying anything, Rick. Um, oh, the other thing that like I don't know if we'll get to it, but so we have the Wendy's surge pricing, which I call price gouging. We have the Kellogg CEO telling us uh, you can't afford food; it's okay to eat cereal for for supper. And then the Philadelphia Phillies are getting rid of dollar hot dog night because food fights. Yeah, on dollar dog night in the Philadelphia Phillies games, the fans were just throwing hot dogs at each other, and okay. so they had to cancel dollar dog night. This seems to be counter uh, countering everything else we're saying here. Wendy's is is going to charge more for burgers because no. <laughs> And also Kellogg's is saying that we can't afford food. So just it's okay to eat cereal. Of course, like let's have that guy on and tell everyone that instead of everything that's wrong with the fact that we have to eat cereal for supper. And now, and now fans (laughs) have so much food that they can waste dollar hot dogs by having food fights at baseball games. Also baseball games, there's nothing to do. So give give them a, Maybe give maybe put some pickleball courts in the baseball stadiums so they can go play pickleball. There you go with a liquor license. With a liquor, P- well, they already have a liquor, liquor license. license. I don't, I don't know about that. We can't be doing the liquor license, but okay. So, <laughs> so we have like three food things. Though um, I do like the notion that baseball fans just can't be trusted with dollar dogs. Like that's just too much for them to be trusted with. Well, if the Wendy's thing is right, and if, if I'm right, and I get a hamburger at 10 o'clock in the morning, it should be a dollar. And therefore, is Wendy's worried about, you know, food fights at the Wendy's? <laughs> I'm, my The thing with the, ba- the the dollar hot dogs at a baseball is baseball is just too boring. There's Yeah. Even, if, even with the pitch clock, they just have nothing better to do. You know what's what you know what I think is way better than baseball is softball. And that's why I'm super excited for this summer with the new college softball team in lacrosse. Yes. What are now, the, not the steam? The, yeah, right? and the steam? I, don't get me wrong. I love the loggers. I love going to the loggers games and having a beer and a hot dog. But in terms of the level of excitement, I think softball is better than baseball personally. There's just more offense and there's more action, I feel, in softball games. Yeah, I love covering softball way more than baseball when I was a sports journalist because I knew exactly how long a softball game was going to take. Sure. Also, high school kids when they're playing baseball, if they like walk, if they walk a batter and he gets the first, they're kind of perturbed about that and they try to throw him out at first base. Oh. And it takes a very long like they they end up throwing the ball over the first baseman, then this guy's at second, and there's just the the games end up being like three hours long a lot of times, and they're only seven innings. I'm like, why am I here? This and it's like fourteen to seven. You know, it's not <laughs> even a game. So let's do this real quick though. The the we're we're gonna have the loggers equivalent to softball this summer. They were, the the names they came up with were the legacy, the velocity, the steam, the cruisers, and the maple leaves. Uh huh. They picked the right one, right? The steam oh, is a great. I love that name. That's a great name. I'm really happy they picked that one. Um, all of, all the rest of them are terrible. <laughs> I think I wouldn't say that the legacy. I don't, I don't know the meaning behind any of the, the velocity. Uh, I don't know the cruisers. It's kind of steamy, but it's cruise. Like you're boating. You're on a cruiser, right? Sure. Maybe something like that. Maple leaves is, is okay. I think, but also just very generic. It's we're not in Canada. Oh, the maple leaf parade. You're right. Okay. I guess that's why I'm okay with it. Sure. I'm not, but um, the steam is great. I love oh, that. Great I love name. that. As, great as, uh, name. 
as a name. And- I, I'm I'm so excited for the season. I think there's going to be a lot of buzz in lacrosse this summer about the new team. Now, are you going to get like a season ticket and then you can sit in the one seat and then you can be like the Jack Nicholson? <laughs> is it Nicholas or Nicholson? Yeah. Of the Lakers where, oh, yeah. there's the Chagoski seat. Yeah. There's or Spike, Brianna. Spike Lee for the New York Knicks. Yeah, there's Brianna yeah. and Anthony and they always, they're always at every game. You could do that. You could start to the tradition with the very first season you know what i mean like you know who is, who is and i don't know if that's you but like what prominent lacrosse person could that be that would be kind of cool if we just he's at every game or she's at every game yeah definitely we need like the lacrosse celebrity to sit in the front row right yeah for sure yeah they have to have the best yeah. seat, like whatever and we just kind of know that they're there um we did this last we did this last week the most popular Oh um, yeah, Wisconsinite, and it was the most Sarah, famous Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee, right? First of all, Dick Dick Record emailed me, and he said she's not coming on Cooley Region Cooks. I f- I think maybe that's why not. They tried to do that at oh, some point. <laughs> I don't know any of the details, but also, who is the most popular lacrosse? That's the most popular lacrosse county person, right? That's what we figured yeah, out. Yeah. So the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel looked at people from all counties in lacrosse. And they looked at the, all counties of Wisconsin, all, all counties in Wisconsin, and the number of page views that each person yeah. had for their Wikipedia profile. And Sandra Lee, out of everyone from Lacrosse County, had the most page views for for her Wikipedia page. We didn't talk about this all, and we didn't do this last week. But who would be the most? Just off the top of your head, no science science to this. Like, who is the most popular person in Lacrosse? Do any well, idea? There, I think what they. Did. Their methodology for the Journal Sentinel was yeah. you had to be born in that county. Oh, okay. So, but I'm thinking like right now, someone living right. here, we want this person to be the representative in the crowd at the lacrosse steam softball game. Who would that well, person like, be? Could it know? be Johnny Davis? Like, could he come back to lacrosse during the off season and oh, be yeah. the big fan of the softball team? Yeah, it could be Johnny. That's a good one. I was, I was thinking like, yeah, you're, you're, you're right on it with that. Johnny Davis might be the most popular. Um, I just learned Lexi Donarski's from Onalaska. Can we have an Onalaska person at the Steam game? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, just, yeah, now I'm thinking just, now you got me thinking about athletes. I was trying to think of, like, former mayors or, I was, like, two of my head politically, but, like, also, yeah, who else would be very popular in that regard? Uh, Brad Williams, would he be? Brad Williams. <laughs> Brad Williams. Local celebrity Brad Williams right, in the front row seat at Copeland Park for the, the steam. Now, is Johnny Davis more popular than if we're going to grab on Alaska? Is Johnny more Matt popular Thomas. than Brad Williams? Well, Matt Thomas, <laughs> Matt if we're Thomas. just going to do, you know, so. Um, all right. So, for okay, back to the Wendy's thing. They, they announce that they're going to price gouge us uh, during popular times when people want to eat. Uh, the the Wendy's on the south side. Do you go there? Have you gone? I used to go there a lot, but they don't. Their app isn't like con- conducive to me getting a dollar off of a a burger anymore. So I don't go there. And also, like I never see people there. I don't. I feel like Wendy's isn't very popular here anymore. So my hot take is that McDonald's has by far the best app out of yeah. any fast food restaurant. Like, Thus, I go to McDonald's. Are you a sucker for just if you give me a coupon, a coupon? Oh, I'm there. I'm gonna go. I'm if, there. And if you don't give me one. Like, I'm not going to shop at Kohl's unless you give me at least the 20% off. And really, I'm going to wait for the 30% off before with, I go shopping With Kohl's. some Kohl's cash if you make a purchase of a certain amount. Right, and then you get me suckered into the cycle of, uh, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of getting more Kohl's cash and buying more crap for 25, 30, 20, 30% off. And it's like about a two-month cycle before I've used all my Kohl's currency and I'm out of the, out of the loop. And therefore, I don't have to shop for 
at to Kohl's until the next November when it's Black Friday. Yeah, I, so I do go to the Wendy's in Alaska occasionally, um, but they be, have an app. But you have to do. Like, buy stuff to accumulate points. I think. Yeah, the McDonald's one is the best out of all the apps. So Wendy's, uh, the twenty four hours later, they're like, ah, we didn't actually say that we were going to price get ga- well price surge pricing during. Uh, so they walk that back real quick. But why, as a nation, we get outraged about that and poor Wendy's, right? Um, but we don't do that to anyone else that's doing the exact same thing. First of all, they called it the Uber style. So, okay, well, Uber is doing it, right? These uh, rideshare companies, as um, cab companies, essentially. And they called it dynamic pricing instead of surge pricing because dynamic pricing just sounds better. Dynamic pricing, surge pricing, price gouging. Yeah. You just got to get to the bottom. Um, we There was some outrage with Ticketmaster, uh, with Taylor Swift tickets, right? Weren't they surge pricing? Yeah, everyone, they, they are, were. Do they still do this? I don't buy concert tickets. So yeah, I well, I I think Ticketmaster either does do this or has the capability of doing Wasn't that. Wasn't Congress going to regulate the fact that they, they were surge pricing yeah. our tickets? Congress talks about a bunch of things that they— Sounds great, but <laughs> yeah. we're not actually going to do a thing. Right. Kind of like the whole Wisconsin State Legislature. Hey, we're going to—we have all these bills we need to pass to protect child care and PFAs, and you know what? We'll just run on them and do them next year because, you know, we have we only have 10 months— off uh, to to solve these problems, but yeah. So Wendy's walks this back, but I'm I'm kind of curious why we don't we're not mad about this for flights. If I want to sure. go on a flight that's not you know at a just popular time because airplane tickets are more expensive, hotels kind of do this. I think if there's a big game in town, the hotel prices go up. We're not mad about that. Movie theaters. I mean, it's kind of a simple concept. The 11 a.m. movie is like. Whatever it is, I guess I haven't gone to a man. I only go on five dollar Tuesday, which is now six dollar Tuesday. But um, you know, obviously, if you go at eight at night, the the movie ticket is more expensive. So um, I feel like as a nation, we should just get mad about all these things, and then maybe they'll all walk them back. The price should be the price. Oh, the Uber thing is so annoying. The Lyft thing is so annoying. How if you try to get a ride at a particular time, then it's like two or three times the price that it would be otherwise. But there you might be stuck. Like if you're going out on the town for the night and Uber is your only way to get home, really, then you have to pay whatever the app is telling you you need to pay. But the reason I am a little confused about this thing from Wendy's is that if I see that the price of a Baconator has doubled, then I'm going to go down the street to McDonald's, right? Well, also, you're, but you're in the drive through line, so there's more cars there. First of all, you're, if you see more cars there, you're just automatically going to assume the price is the price more is expensive. Yeah. Second of all, they walked it back, but they're investing $20 million in dynamic uh, like menu boards outside yes. where they could change the price. They definitely said they're walking it back and also are going to do this anyway. You don't invest $20 million in your drive through boards and your, and your inside menu price boards so that you can easily change the menu price if you're not going to do the thing. $20 million is not zero. Rick, I love this quote from Wendy's CEO, Kirk Tanner. Just listen to all of the buzzwords in this quote. He said, beginning as early as 2025, we will begin testing more enhanced features like dynamic pricing and day part offerings, along with AI-enabled menu changes and suggestive selling. So I counted at least four buzzwords in that one sentence from the Wendy's CEO. No, was that him at, before or after he was walking? I around? think that was before. That's the before, And then right? people 
heard dynamic pricing and then that got translated into surge pricing, which people understand because nowadays with Uber, we're so used to the whole concept of surge pricing. Well, the devil's in the details because after he walked it back, he said, Wendy's will not implement surge pricing, which is the practice of raising prices when demand is highest. We didn't use that phrase, nor do we plan to implement that practice. Okay, well, you're just not going to call it surge pricing. You're just right. going to call it whatever you're going to you call it happy hour. You just don't. Okay, the other part of this is if I'm going to raise the price of the baconator because there's a bunch of people in line and it's busy. So do I, who am I working at Wendy's for 15 bucks an hour, now get sixteen dollars an hour Ooh. because it's really busy. I'm working extra hard. You're charging more for the Baconator. Therefore, I should be getting paid more. The extra dollar for the Baconator should directly be distributed to everybody's that's working at that moment in time to their pocket. If there's 10 people working and every Baconator sold for a dollar more, everyone gets 10 cents more. How motivated would you be to sell as many burgers as possible? Well, they did talk about dynamic pricing. I did not see any mention of dynamic wages. Yeah, no dynamic wages mentioned in any of this. <laughs> That's where we need to draw the line. Okay, I'd be cool. Like, what if Wendy said, hey, we're going to do dynamic pricing, but all that money is literally going to go into the pockets of the people working at that lunch hour time when the when when the burgers go up in price. But then would people say, oh, another place that's just asking me to tip. More tipflation. No, it's not tips though, right? It's not <laughs> tips. Also, we gotta get rid of we gotta just ban tip. Ban tipping. Um, last one, Kellogg CEO gets on uh what was it? Uh, CNBC squawk on the street. Okay, so he's talking on CNBC and he just essentially says, Yeah, you know what? It's food prices are high. We gotta normalize eating breakfast for supper. But not even that. We gotta normalize eating cereal for supper. Get the CEO off your station. Like, what are we doing as a society? Bring normal people on to talk about what we're eating for supper. Not the dude that that wants you to buy cereal for supper and normalize that so he can cash in. Yeah, that's a good example of needing a PR person to coach someone up before they go on TV. Now, he was making the point that cereal is affordable. And so when consumers are feeling price pressure, they might go to cereal. But there's a certain way that you word that. And he did not word it in a very artful way. He said that cereal for dinner is something that is probably more on trend now, and we would expect it to continue as that consumer is under pressure. Now, I remembered cereal for dinner because my students, and when I was in college, a lot of people ate cereal for dinner because we were college students yeah. and you know eating on a budget. And so I'm very familiar with the concept, but I also don't want to eat like a college student forever and would not want to necessarily have to feel like I'm eating cereal for dinner because I can't afford other things for dinner. Yeah, let's like get out of the dystopian society where we're normalizing that thing. I mean, we shouldn't even normalize it for college students, right? Like my, I remember one of my college roommates, oh, oh, first of all, if you're having cereal for dinner as a college student, you have to buy milk and, and milk. So one of my college roommates didn't buy milk. He, like he couldn't afford milk, but he, but he had a lot of macaroni and cheese. Well, what do you need with macaroni and cheese? Milk? No, he used uh, ketchup. Oh, ketchup packets. My, oh no! The macaroni and ketchup. Oh. So the, to to oh. like mix the cheese, right? He's using a little bit of water and a little bit of ketchup. Chergoski, oh. is about to throw up. All right, we got to take a break so he can puke in the garbage can. We'll be back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom in the studio with me, as he is most Fridays, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergoski. 
Last thing we're going to talk about, back to politics a little bit. The U.S. government is not going to shut down yet. We kind of hit it at this before. We're, like there's, We have two apparently two apparatuses of the U.S. government. We can shut down one yeah. earlier. We can shut down. I don't know how that works, but we're, we're kicking the can. As Derek Van Orden, the last time we had a U.S. government potential shutdown, Derek Van Orden, the U.S. House rep here in the lacrosse area, voted against the last one. And he complained that we were kicking the can down the road. And we kind of just stuck with what is kicking the can. I think he even wrote it down. The origin is unknown for kicking the can. But the during the Great Depression in the 1930s, the game was popular a popular pastime because it did not require a playing field nor any designated equipment other than, guess what, a can. Yeah, that's so all you it's need. It's a weird analogy to be like kicking the can, 1930s, Great Depression. It's a game. Maybe but now that's, it's the government shutting down. Maybe because congressional politics can be pretty grim, and that sounds like a pretty grim game to be playing, kicking the can. Right, and <laughs> and it's an analogy we all kind of understand. We're just it doesn't make any sense though. But anyway, so we're we've kicked one can down the road further, another can down. But we aren't funding the as have we in history? I don't know if you know this. Have we have we done this weird thing where we just keep the government open for a little bit? of time because we can't agree on anything before. So this has happened before these temporary extensions to government funding to keep the government open, but it has been happening repeatedly over the last year. And apparently it's going to continue happening. We thought we might be coming on the air today talking about a partial government shutdown. But as we said, that we have kicked the can down the road on that. And then this odd staggered approach where Part of the government was set to shut down today. Another part of the government was set to shut down a week from now. But then the cans have both been kicked down the road to different points in March. So the situation has not been fully resolved. But Congress has yet again bought itself some time to get the situation resolved with government funding and to hopefully avoid a government shutdown for a longer period of time rather than just these continuous temporary fixes. And Van Orden voted for this one. He mm-hmm. voted against the last one. This one's time period is way shorter, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a very short week, couple weeks extension to government funding. Are we trying to to pass something that's like a trillion dollars and therefore... Yeah, I mean, they're trying to do a bigger... Is this all yeah. part of the like border deal, Ukraine spending Israel? This is what we're avoiding by kicking the can yeah. is the whole... Kit and caboodle here. Kit yeah, and yeah, yeah. Did I just use kit and caboodle? Yeah, now we're talking about cans, kit and caboodles. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking <laughs> about at this point. Is that point. a can of cat food that we're maybe, kicking? Maybe. Well, we'll see what happens. A couple of weeks, we'll talk about uh, we'll see. what kind of can we kick. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas.